Welcome to Changed for Good, Life Elevated Through Christ with LSI Studios. In this podcast, we explore the ways in which Jesus Christ can make a lasting and elevated change in our lives. Because of Him, we can become more than we were and also receive grace for where we are on our journey. I'm your host, Britta Benyon. Okay, tonight I am here with Brother Libby, Brother Doug Libby. Um, I appreciate you being here and Thank you. being willing to, to come on to the podcast. I'm glad to have you here. So why don't we begin with you telling us a little bit about yourself, your background, maybe, uh, you know, your growing up years um, and even... Or, I mean, I guess we could start with where you are now, <laughs> a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, I'm a, a husband, a father, uh, a grandfather. Um, I was born in Ohio, um, lived in Kentucky until I was 14, and then our family moved to Colorado. Um, I'm currently here in Prescott, Arizona. Um, as an executive director of a senior living community. Um, I was recruited to come here from Colorado, uh, but even though that's where I uh, was raised, you know, as far as high school, um, I spent um, over 20 years in the hotel business. I worked for Marriott Hotels and uh, Hilton Hotels, full-service hotels and resorts uh, throughout the country, uh, from Virginia to California. And uh, so have had a lot of experience uh, in different areas of the U.S. as well as experiences working with people in different settings. Yeah. Okay. And then you um, and then you kind of shifted gears. Sounds like to to a whole different career path almost. <laughs> yeah, I did. It, you know, I went kind of from the glamour and glitz of uh, hotels where we were working with. Um, you know, high-end corporate accounts, uh, leisure travelers, people there on weekends, uh, spending their hard-earned money for on a vacation, creating experiences for them, mm-hmm. uh, meeting some fantastic people, working with celebrities and athletes and business leaders to senior living, where yeah. I'm working with people that have accomplished those things, but are now at that season in their life, yeah. uh, where they're now. Uh, just wanting to live a, a good life and and be comfortable. Uh, but the hotel business was very topsy-turvy, as my kids will attest to, uh, mm-hmm. in and out of a lot of schools. Um, and so our youngest, uh, Kellen, uh, went on his mission, left for his mission. Um, and uh, then my wife and I just kind of looked at each other and we were like, you know, look, we're empty nesters. Do we want to keep moving? And uh, the, the feeling or the, the conversation we had was resoundingly no. Yeah. We don't want to keep moving. And so um, I had always had my mind on healthcare, And um, I knew it was a more stable. And so uh, I was just fortunate that, uh, you know, somebody found me and um, uh, we made our way here to Prescott. Very cool. Yeah, so. that's neat. And how many kids do you have? Got four kids and uh, two grandkids and one on the way. Oh, congrats! And, uh, thanks. And uh, most, you know, also with my for my kids, most of their time growing up was spent in Sedona. We lived in Sedona for ten years, oh. and so again, coming back here uh, was a little bit like coming home. Yeah. 
That's awesome. So, yeah. Very cool. So, uh, so going off of that, I guess, what's your, uh, in your growing up years, what was your religious background? Uh, what kind of have, did you experience in those years growing up? Um, I was raised in the Methodist faith mm-hmm. and, uh, as a young man, mainly in, um, uh, Elementary, I guess elementary age, uh, fifth, sixth grade, I was an acolyte. These were uh, young men that uh, assisted the minister um, prior to and during the service. You know, we we lit the altar lights and Mm -hmm. um, would assist sometime with communion or ushering. And um, so, you know, I had kind of a traditional Protestant upbringing. I played basketball and football and church leagues and uh, my parents were um, wonderful examples really good people as were my extended family grandparents and uh, aunts and uncles you know we just had very solid faithful people and hard-working people and uh, so that was kind of my foundations and uh most of that, uh, up to that, up to about 14 years of age, was in in Lexington, Kentucky, was where we uh, we lived, and you know I experienced a lot of those things. But things changed then when um, I was 14, and my my father, who worked for IBM, he was a mechanical engineer, was transferred to Boulder, Colorado, and uh, we didn't know anything about Colorado at that time. <clears throat> in the mid 70s, it was a place where people. Uh, vacationed a lot. I don't know, uh, you know, people were starting to move there and it was kind of a magical place. It was a place that was so different from Kentucky that had a lot of tradition, uh, horse racing and the farms and the green yeah. rolling hills and the white picket fences <laughs> to really the kind of the wild west where it was a mile high or higher and mountains and outdoors and hiking and camping and it was just a different mm-hmm. lifestyle and different types of people. Yeah, definitely. So it was a, a shift for the family in a lot of ways. Um, right. New place and new, almost new society, new culture. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, I think our family was looking to find our place. We did we did find the Methodist church, and I was mm-hmm. uh, uh, re-baptized as a, as a teenager. Um, but I would say that from, you know, a religious standpoint, I didn't really know who God was. I had faith in Christ, but had a lot of questions. I didn't know why I was here on earth. I didn't know what my purpose was. I didn't have a lot of direction. And especially as I got into high school, I, you know, would sometimes have thoughts, um, particularly at church, like if this, if Jesus Christ was here, would he teach that way? You know, because it seemed like my minister was full of fire and brimstone and many time, mm-hmm. times pounded the pulpit. And I couldn't really see Jesus doing that, although, you know, there were times in his ministry that he did. But yes. <laughs> probably, you know, his delivery was a little softer than that most of the time. And yeah. um, um, also, you know, just kind of the feeling that maybe, maybe most High school kids have thought throughout their lives, if if this is just it, why not just live it up? And for me, you know, it was about 
skiing, water skiing, snow skiing, sailing, um, hanging out with my friends, um, yeah. lots of sports, you know, track and basketball and football and, you know, mm-hmm. dating girls and, you know, just kind of that life. But it it wasn't one, it wasn't fulfilling for me. And I um, many times just reflected on hmm. where I was going, you yeah. know. So. Yeah, kind of. A, I guess it sounds like it was a it was a reflection, almost subconsciously, like like something that you had thought about, but I uh, didn't quite know what to do with. <laughs> right, it was there. It was it was just there, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I think that that's uh, very relatable for a lot of people. So I guess if you're, um, and that that comment too about uh, about Christ and what he would potentially maybe teach if he were here today is an interesting thought as well, you know, and mm-hmm. what um, what words would he have for us now? And, you know, like that kind of, right. I mean, even though, yeah, we, we understand and believe in his teachings and understand them to be true and and, and we want to follow those, um, but does he have more or is there more? So mm-hmm. that's interesting. So I guess where was... Um, what, what happened maybe that kind of shifted that a little bit for you? Yeah, so um, as I uh, was in the second semester of my junior year in high school, my grandfather died, uh, William Libby, my dad's dad. And, and um, we were close. Um, you know, again, moving from Ohio to Colorado, there was a long distance there, but I had very fond memories of boating, that, you know, the Euclid Yacht Club and spending time on Lake Erie, even though at the time it was very polluted (laughs) (laughs) with dead fish coming up. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, you know, spending time in their backyard and picking berries and going on hikes and stuff. And, you know, it's close to my grandparents and and he was the first uh, grandparent to, to pass. And so, you know, I think it was a pivotal time for our family. Uh, I don't know that we're, we had a lot of answers. I know talking to my parents, um, you know, they didn't really have answers. And I remember um, my mom and I kind of ha- had something in common because the uh, band Kansas had come out just a few months earlier with a song um, called uh, Dust in the Wind. And, th- and that song um, just, you know, just states that we are dust in the wind and that mm-hmm. um, our life is very short and uh, we can't take, th- take things with us and yet um, we're just dust, dust in the wind. And, you know, so scripturally we understand that we do come from the dust, but that just, I think, left me wondering even more, where was he? Where is he? Where, where was he? Um, would I see him again? And, um, you know, my mom and I guess myself, we play it over and over. And I guess that's the way we kind of, or at least I did, um, kind of reconciled it that at that time that that's just the way it was or is, you know, when Mm -hmm. somebody dies that Probably not going to see him again. Yeah, and that's so interesting that that song was had resonated so much. Like it was, I guess this is the answer, or this is, or maybe not the answer, but yeah. What? What well, it says in the song, the answer right now. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> the, the song says the, the answer is 
uh, we were dust in the wind. Oh, so, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you take that literally, then it doesn't right. give a whole lot of help. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. So I guess if um, with that experience and um, under you under your belt, I guess what was the uh, turning point then um, after that? Where did you end up finding some answers? Well, I think the turning point for me was that summer uh, when I was uh, working out, practicing for football, conditioning for football. And Mm -hmm. there was a young man by the name of Randy who uh, had moved to um, my high school from Long Beach, California, and his family. And he had joined the church, been baptized before they, you know, shortly before they had come there. And, and Randy was just a very enthusiastic missionary that I was kind of drawn to. And he started to share with me at that time, little by little, about how their ch- their family had joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And um, that piqued my in- interest. You, you know, here's a religious young man who is uh, uh, probably a lot like me, has yeah. similar interests that, that I do, you know, love of sports, of football, and just seemed like a good good guy that I could relate to. And uh, as I hung out with him more and more, he started teaching me more about the church, that there were answers to those questions I had about life, questions about um, who we are, where we came from, where we're going. Um, he was able to answer quite confidently that I would see my my grandfather again and all of my loved ones and that um, we could be sealed for time and all eternity in the temple and live together as families. And uh, so to me, that was a, a promise that uh, meant a lot um, at that time when I was seeking answers. And although I didn't know if it was true, I didn't really have any reason not to believe what he was saying because he was very sincere. Yeah. So um, he invited me to some church dances, and I um, most of them were in Denver, and we had multiple, you know, uh, congregations or wards going there, and and I met some great kids there, um, and started dating a girl actually um, from hmm. from Denver. And then um, got to know the kids in my high school that I knew I had seen. I was always impressed by them. They were good students and um, athletes, and they seemed to have direction in their life. And they were just really good examples to me. And uh, so I didn't have, again, I didn't have any reason to not trust or have bad feelings uh, about mm anything that they yeah, were sharing and those kids were members of the church and you just hadn't known yeah. that beforehand okay. yeah and they started kind of pointing them out and you know boys and girls and okay. it's like wow okay that there was something about them that seemed different it was the way they dressed the way they acted um their their whole confidence and uh it, it meant a lot to me and uh Although I wasn't looking to join a church, I didn't feel like I was religious. Yeah. Um, it was, I was drawn to them. Yeah. So, and then, so I guess over time with this friend, this friend Randy, you 
you were able to learn a little bit more and a little bit more, like you're saying. And mm-hmm. what was it that, uh, I guess, that pulled you more to the church itself? Yeah, so he, you know, he was very subtle. I look back on it now, having served a mission, uh, and he did all the right things. I don't think he did that on purpose, but he was just <laughs> being a friend first. Yeah, yeah. And then he invited me to church with him one Sunday, and I went. And it turns out that it was a fast and testimony meeting, which is, you know, always occurs on the first Sunday of each month. And that's where members of the church have an opportunity to bear their testimonies about how the Savior has impacted their lives and uh, how the gospel has blessed them. And uh, so. I was just taking it all in, and, and there was a sister probably halfway through. There had been other people bear testimony, and I was just listening to it. I was on the pew. Uh, you know, Randy was next to me, and a couple mm-hmm. of other friends were there. And the sister, who I didn't know, bore this testimony that she knew the church was true, that she knew that Joseph Smith was a prophet of God, and that he had seen Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ, and that through him, the church had been restored here upon the earth in these latter days, that there were 12 apostles, that there was a living prophet that received revelation from God, and that we had a second set of scripture along with the Bible that testified of Jesus Christ and the experiences of of the people, the prophets that recorded uh, his life in the, the Americas. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks that what she was saying was true. And um, I actually started to get emotional. I started to cry. And I had tears going down my face. And I'm like, what? What is going on here? Um, and, you know, just feeling very warm, peaceful feeling. And uh, I looked over at him, and he had a big Cheshire you know, cat smile on his face. <laughs> Um, I think he knew that I had been touched. And, you know, I was a little embarrassed at first, but just kind of accepted that was how I felt, you know. So um, I I then, you know, over a series of, you know, uh, over a small period of time, um, was asked if I wanted to take the discussions from the missionaries Mm -hmm. to hear more and learn more because, you know, going from a spiritual experience to what do you do with that, you know? And so um, I did, and I actually was taught by Elder Coles and Elder Strong that were from Ohio. Hmm. You know, two missionaries that were from where I was born, where my family is originally originally from. And so, um, you know, it was uh, in the fall of uh, 1978, and... uh, so going to their apartment, they lived in this tiny shack. You know, it's just a little, a little humble, like cottage in Lamont, Colorado. But yet, when I stepped in there, it just had the spirit. It just felt so strong. It was just a peace and a, a, a good feeling there, just just as as I had had when I had been at church. And so, you know, they taught me the first discussion, which is about the restoration of the gospel, mm-hmm. and um, the prophet Joseph Smith, the, the first vision, where he'd seen Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ. 
And they gave me a Book of Mormon and encouraged me to read it. And um, I did. I just kind of devoured it. I mm-hmm. took it home. I read it. I actually began, as I was talking to my friends, uh, began uh, kind of kindling um, interest from uh, less active members. Another another friend of mine, also named Randy, who was not active, um, I went to his house and he told me all about the Book of Mormon. He wasn't going to church. Um, one, one of the things that he was most interested in, though, was the Arnold Freeberg pictures in the um, illustrated Book of Mormons where you've got the Nephi and Moroni and, you know, uh-huh. the... Uh, the uh, flag of, of liberty and you know these big muscly guys that buff dudes and you know, he was more into that <laughs> we were too like wow these guys are studs you know <laughs> they could take on anybody it's you know so um but you know it, it was interesting to see how you know people would kind of step forward and say yeah it, it's you're doing the right thing <laughs> you know um but i you know i had had a teacher in school, Jerry Brooks, who um, in a social studies class had told me in front of the class because he was, that's just the way the class was, was very open and, you know, he would just talk about stuff and he, he kind of gave his overview of each student and when he came to me, he said, Doug Libby, you're either going to be very successful or you're going to be a failure. I don't know where, what you're going to be. You know, he couldn't tell. Whereas other kids, they're like, oh, you're going to be very successful. You're the most popular. You're the most gifted. You know, for me, it was like a puzzle. It was a quiz, you know, a question, I guess I could, you, you could say. And I think that was probably pretty accurate hmm. um, if you were, going, if you, uh, were to make um, an opinion of me at that time. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I could have gone either way. For sure. But I did... Um, grasp on to what they were teaching and um, I, I actually took went to the scriptures um, both the Bible and the Book of Mormon and they they had said, the missionaries said all along don't take our word for it, ask God don't just do this because of us or because of your friends, do it because it's the right thing yeah, yeah I mean that's and I think that's such a pivotal part of of the gospel and of of Christ wanting us to to receive our own witness. He doesn't want us to to go blind into anything, right? Like he he wants us to to know for ourselves. And I love that about about the gospel and about the you know the way the missionaries teach is is that they're not there to tell you the way things are or to you know pressure you yeah it's it's just uh, an invitation and and uh, hey if if you want to know you really can know for yourself it's not um it's not just take our word for it like you said and yeah i love that yeah that they they emphasize that so much for you right and so the key for me was the promise in the of the in the book of mormon moroni 10, 3 through 5. And can I read that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it says, and, and again, I guess picture this a little bit. I'm in my bedroom by myself, um, sitting on the edge of my bed, mm-hmm. and I'm reading this, and it says, Behold, I would exhort you that when you shall read these things, if it be wisdom in God, that ye should read them. 
that ye would remember how merciful the Lord hath been unto the children of men from the creation of Adam, even down until the time that ye shall receive these things and ponder it in your hearts. And when ye shall receive these things, I would exhort you that ye would ask God, the Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if these things are not true. And if ye shall ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, you may know the truth of all things. And so, as I read that, it just was like, of course, if I'm going to get an answer, I need to pray, just as Joseph Smith prayed, just mm-hmm. as Jesus Christ prayed to his Father. And I think I know who I'm praying to now. Uh, and I'm going to pray to Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ, as it says, and that they will answer me. And so I knelt down next to my bed, and I just I just prayed, Heavenly Father, are, are the things the missionaries are teaching me, are they true? Are the, the things I feel in my heart, are they from you know from you are are my friends and those that I've come to associate with and love and and uh, admire is, is it true and just as I said those th- that last those last words um, in my mind I just felt this warm peaceful feeling coming over me and it just kind of went from the top of my head all the way down my back and burning in my chest. And I just knew that God had answered my prayers. I knew that that promise that Moroni says that he would let me know by the power of the Holy Ghost. And I, I, I just knew that that was the power of the Holy Ghost. It just felt so good. And so... Then, you know, as I, you know, went to bed, I didn't have anybody to talk to at home because I was the only one in my family taking the discussions. And so, mm-hmm. but I just knew. And so the next day I told Randy how I felt. And then I, later I saw the missionaries. And I'm like, how do I come, become a part of this? What do I need to do? And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You need three more discussions. And then you're going to get baptized. And you need, you know, there's more you need to know. And so I just took the remainder of the discussions. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, I believe it. You know, I didn't quite understand it all, but it's like, okay, I, I accept it because I already had that answer. Yeah. And so um, though on, on a Saturday, um, Randy, my friend Randy, uh, baptized me. And it was a, a wonderful feeling. Um, we embraced, we hugged. It was, I felt clean. I felt renewed. Um, I felt like I had a new course and a direction in my life, and it, it felt like it was all worth it. Yeah, uh, that's really beautiful, and I love when you were telling the experience of how you uh, came to know it was true, how you had said that prayer. I was thinking about the, all the action you had taken up to that point, right? All of the, um, maybe the questions you had asked, or the the things that you were taught through the missionaries or the discussions you had with your friends or the fact that you had read through the Book of Mormon up to that point and you were doing all the things that were showing your faith and and showing that you were ready to receive that answer. And, that, yeah. you know, and I think that that's 
it's important to know that obviously we we can come to know if we are as sincere as it says in that verse and if we are truly truly desire to know it and are are striving right for that so i think that's really neat and i think um also your your baptismal experience was there any um anything that was challenging that whether it was leading up to it or during or after maybe that with it was your family supportive how is how did that all play out for you yeah it it, it, you know, as far as the decision and mm-hmm. being baptized, uh, you know, there was no no challenge at all. You yeah, know, you just, just knew. I just knew. <laughs> uh, but, but what was, at the time, difficult was talking to some friends. You know, I lost some friends because I didn't, wasn't going to do the same things that mm. I used to. Um, and so at school, I definitely felt like my uh, circle of friends got shortened very quickly. Hmm. Um, I, yeah. I found out who were my true friends and those that were just my weekend friends. Yeah. Um, and and then in my own home, my parents were supportive of me being baptized. In fact, they signed a, a, a document because I wasn't uh, yet 18. I was 17 at the time uh, that, you know, that, as their guardian, as my guardian, that they they would allow me to be baptized, mm. and I, I think they s- still still do that today. Um, parents need to um, uh, you, you know give their their blessing or their permission. Yeah. Um, but you know, in my enthusiasm as a new member, I would share with them what I learned, and uh, they just my parents just weren't interested. They just were like, that's fine for you, but for us, uh, we're going to continue, you know, our living our life that way. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I remember, <laughs> you know, sitting at dinner, Thanksgiving dinner, and, and bearing my testimony of sorts to my family, and, you know, I, I'm feeling the spirit, and they're like, can you pass the salt? You know, <laughs> uh, or I'd like more gravy. You know, it's yeah. like, okay, it's like, you know, they, they just weren't uh, at that place, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, but, um, I, you know, I continued on and uh, continued to go to, you know, go to church. And then I went, to, then after my graduation I, from high school, I continued on. Uh, my education went to the University of Northern Colorado. Uh, my freshman year, two semesters, put my papers in to go on a mission. You know, missionaries, mm-hmm. other missionaries would bug me about, hey, you go on a mission? Yeah, I can do anything for a year. No problem. They're like, Doug, it's two years. Oh, okay, two years. Okay, I'll go for two. Gulp. You know, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll do it for two years. Again, not quite knowing what I was getting myself into, yeah. but but feel, you know, being, being faithful because I knew that was the right thing to do. Yeah. So the turning point, I think, for my folks was when my bishop terry wall came to the house and kind of unbeknownst to me i didn't i didn't really know what his purpose was but you know missions are um, not paid and for a kid who wasn't preparing for that all my life as you know as as many young latter-day saint young men and young women are Mm -hmm. um, i didn't have any funds saved up for it and we had funds saved up for college, but not a mission. And so um, my bishop asked my dad, mom and dad are sitting together on the sofa there in the living room, would you support Doug on his mission? And this is how much it's going to cost. Uh, 
And my dad kind of looked at my mom and looked back at him and said, yeah, we'll do that. Uh, my mom's face dropped. You know, she was like, she couldn't believe it that he, he said that. And I was, felt really good about it as well. Um, so I ended up then, um, you know, getting my mission call to Charleston, West Virginia. It was a brand new mission. And it was, it was bordered Ohio and it bordered Kentucky. And we had parts of the mission in both states as well as three-quarters of the state of, of West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And so um, that, to me, was kind of another confirmation that, you know, the Lord's hand's in this. You know, th- th- this stuff doesn't just happen by chance. We, I could have gone anywhere in the world, yeah. and I get called to West Virginia. Wow. So I felt really good, you know, went, on, went out, um, went through the Missionary Training Center in Provo, Utah. was in my first area um, in Charleston. It was... Um, it was hard. We went through the summer of hot and humid, riding bicycles, and then we got into the fall and into the winter and dark days and knocking on a lot of doors. And it was a new mission, so mission. So members didn't know really what to do with us. You know, occasionally we would have maybe a dinner every once once a month or something at a member's house, but the rest of the time we were proselyting. We were going door to door from like 10 in the morning until 6 or 7 at night. And if anything, it just fired my testimony more as I bore testimony. And, you know, we didn't have a tremendous amount of success initially. Um, but the greatest success um, at that time when it was it was tough was a phone call I got from my mission president. And... Uh, um, he called me, uh, both my companion and I were not feeling well, and he called one evening and he said, uh, Elder Libby, this is uh, President Warner. Uh, of course, I recognized his name, or his voice immediately, and he said, are you standing up or sitting down? And I'm like, I'm standing up. And he's like, you better sit down. I, I just talked to your parents. And I'm like, I just had the sinking feeling that something was wrong. Yeah. And he said, uh, they called, your mom called, and said that they've decided to be, be baptized into the church. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I, I just could not believe it. My legs were rubber, and I, I just yeah. was just, you know, I knew that they were talking to the missionaries, but I didn't know they are that serious. And so I got to talk to them, and they just laughed, and they were happy, and you know, I saw pictures later, you know, uh, the only way we communicated back in the horse and buggy days was by phone or by mail, <laughs> you know, yeah. so I got a letter, you know, uh-huh. and I got pictures uh, and, cool. you know, it just kind of re- reconfirmed um, that now other people in my family um, saw the same thing that I did, experienced yeah. the same thing without me being there. Yeah. So, uh, it oh, was, what a uh, neat experience and blessing. Yeah. For, for you and your family, that's so cool. Um, so I get. Let's just jump in real quick, maybe to wrap things up. Could you share a story about a time in your life where um, you have recognized that the gospel of Jesus Christ has changed you or has changed your life for the better? Well, I think it was the the day I got married to my wife. To Katie, 
Um, I met her at BYU and Brigham Young University at Ward Prayer, being in the right place at the right time. And uh, we dated off and on for a couple of years. And um, we were um, planning on getting married in Los Angeles Temple, but uh, it was closed for cleaning. And the reason why we were going to get married in Los Angeles Temple is because she was she she was from L.A. and her father was a sealer in the temple. He performed temple marriages, okay. and uh, so he got special permission to perform our marriage in Salt Lake City in the temple there. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, just kneeling over the altar and holding her hand and looking in her eye, her eyes and just feeling the spirit so strong that I realized that it wasn't just me, but it was her and I together and our future posterity. Um, Not only for this life, but for all eternity and all generations of time. And those who came before us, I felt, were there. Um, And those that were to come into our family and you know, the future eternal promises were there at that time. And most of it was just the feelings. But um, I think that was kind of the culmination of, of that seeking, of looking for the future and, um, and, and being so blessed to find an eternal companion that had the same beliefs and same goals as me. That I could share uh, with as I, you know, as we go through life together and raise our family. So yeah. I just know that this church is true. I know that Jesus Christ is our Savior and Redeemer, that He loves us, that He's aware of us, that our Father in Heaven put this plan together, that He could be our, uh, our, our Savior, and that uh, He picked Joseph Smith in these latter days, to restore his church here upon the earth, and that through him, all the rights and the privileges and the ordinances and the authority to act in God's name is here, and that we can live lives of purpose and direction. And uh, even though life isn't always perfect and life can be a challenge, that we can overcome those things through the Savior and that we can be successful in whatever we endeavor to do. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that testimony. And I love how it kind of came full circle with the experience that you had right before you were introduced to the gospel of losing your grandfather to that that moment in the temple where you you knew you weren't just dust in the wind, you know, like oh, that, that's yeah. not what we are, you know, when we when we die, um, that there is more to life after right. we after we die and, and that there's um, so many wonderful blessings that come into our lives now as well um, through the gospel of Jesus Christ and through our Savior and through what he, he did for us and does for us. So I love that, that neat um, full circle experience, um, how, yeah. how it was so powerful for you in that, in that temple experience. Um, so, so thank you and thank you for, for your time. You're welcome. And for thank being you. here. I appreciate it so much. And, uh, and we'll, we'll see you around. I, um, it was interesting when you guys came into our, our ward, uh, my, my daughter multiple times has been 
you know, her ears perk up because her name is Libby. <laughs> yeah. And your last name is Libby, so she'll hear Brother Libby or Sister Libby. Uh-huh. <laughs> what are they doing? It's kind of what I know. Are they so slandering she... my name? Or are they doing good with it? <laughs> yes. No, I think she loves it. So it's just kind of exciting for her. So Yeah. But again, well, we'll, thank we'll, you. Try, we'll try to live, uh, just let Libby know that we'll try to do the best we can to Honor her name. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think you're doing a wonderful job, so thank you. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks again. I want to thank our guest again for being here today. I pray that as you listened, the Spirit whispered to you the specific actions you can take as you move forward in your daily life. I know Christ is there and that following those promptings will bring you closer to Him and to lasting and elevated change. May God be with you in your journey. To find out more, visit us at lsistudios.com and to learn more about The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, visit comeuntochrist.org or reach out to us.